It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. The Bengals signed a couple of players on waivers today. We'll talk about what exactly the waiver process looks like because it seems like there's some confusion around what exactly it means that the Bengals have top waiver priority. Talk about some of the caliber of players that you can expect the Bengals will have an opportunity to go after having that top priority on the waiver wire. Then we'll get into a midweek mailbag, our first mailbag since the draft. A lot of good questions from folks asking about the way this roster is shaping up, asking a little bit about the future. So we will get through those questions after we get through the news here to get started. Linebacker Austin Calitro and running back Samaji Pirine were acquired on waivers by the Bengals on Tuesday, the first day that waivers were reopened for business. Calitro, a linebacker, came into the league with Seattle in 2018. He actually started five games for the Seahawks when they dealt with some injuries at the linebacker position. And then for the Jaguars in 2019, started four games. So the Bengals acquire a linebacker with some starting experience in spot duty. But obviously neither of these teams thought highly enough to keep him around. A depth signing to be sure, but at least one that has experience in the NFL. And we've talked about Austin Kalitra before. Last year when he was waived by the Seattle Seahawks, the Bengals put a waiver claim in for him 
but he was picked up by the Jaguars, who had to claim before the Bengals. Bengals don't have to worry about that this year as they have the number one spot and will have it until week three of the regular season. So you get a special teams linebacker, maybe a depth guy. Maybe this lights a fire under Jordan Evans as his spot isn't as safe anymore. And it's really a toss-up for me between Calitro and Evans. They're both depth linebackers that can provide some special teams experience, although neither has graded particularly well in any aspect of the game according to Pro Football Focus, but Calitro, a guy the Bengals have had their eye on for a while, he's listed at six foot, 240 pounds, played for Villanova in his university days, so not a very strong football program, but he's sticking around in the NFL, and the Bengals exercise their number one priority on the waiver wire on Calitro, in addition to Samaji Pirine, the running back who the Bengals had last year, Paul Daner Jr. actually tweeted today that somebody in the Bengals organization told him the toughest cut they made all year was Samaji Ryan. They really like the way he plays. And as Paul mentions, that explains why he's back. He's a depth guy at this point. You have no real idea what's going on on that roster beyond Giovanni Bernard in the running back room. They've got a couple second-year players. And they've got one college free agent, Devwa Whaley from Arkansas, to go along with the rest of the running back room. So P. Ryan does provide some veteran depth there that the Bengals know. And I think that was Darren Simmons. It's just my guess because P. Ryan played 102 special team snaps in the first six weeks of the season last year before being cut, just played six special team snaps with the Dolphins. So they didn't feel the same way. Uh, That 108 snaps was the most ever in his career uh, between the, the first two years at Washington. So this gives the Bengals now three Oklahoma Sooner running backs and we'll see if he can make the team maybe as the fourth guy that plays on special teams. It will be a real competition, I think, for that last running back spot. Maybe even the last two. I think Mixon and Gio have their spots locked up. And Paul Daner Jr. tweeted today that Gio is not going anywhere. So if you've been thinking about Giovanni Bernard trade ideas, you can probably put those to bed as Paul would know best about their plans to move him or keep him around. But beyond those two, Travion Williams, Samaji Piran, Rodney Anderson, Devil Whaley all have equal opportunities to make the roster, in my opinion. And if last year was any indication, none of them would play all that much anyway, barring an injury. Now, Joe, let's talk a little bit about the quality of players that you can get on waivers. A lot has been made of the Bengals having the top priority for waiver claims, and that goes all the way through week three of this NFL season. But the quality of player that you can get on waiver wire isn't that high. So let's be clear about that, Joe. Who are the best players the Bengals have ever acquired on waivers in their history? Yeah, I went back all the way to 2010 to see some big names, and they are like Cedric Pierman, who had a nice career as a fourth running back and special teamer captain. And uh, then you have Brandon Tate, who made us frustrated for a long time, but was a pretty good waiver claim, all things considered. And Wallace Gilberry, who was a solid fourth DN that could contribute and play. Uh, I think when you look at it, you got to understand what the rules are. It's anybody under four years of NFL experience. So what are you getting? You're not going to cut somebody who's good with less than four years of experience, right? Most teams wouldn't. Those are your core players if he's playing and starting. So we've received questions last few days. Do you think the Bengals are waiting to get one of those guys and they didn't draft an offensive lineman because of it? or they're going to get a starting tackle in the waiver claim. It's just very, very unlikely. You're not getting those kind of guys. Kalitro, Smadre P. Ryan, that's your run-of-the-mill waiver claim. 
Yeah, if you look back at the names that were available on the waiver wire at this time, and not even at this time, in September of 2019, when teams were making cutdowns, I recognize two names on this list, maybe. Samaji Pirine is one, and the Bengals signed him, but you got guys at offensive tackle like Eric Magnuson, Josh Wells, Justin Murray, Pace Murphy, Paul Adams. These guys are not going to make major impacts, so just some expectations to set for the Bengals as they hold the number one spot on the waiver wire. While the Bengals are making waiver claims, maybe you feel like you're missing something from your roster at home. Well, check out Postmates for that because they will get you food. They'll bring you food from your favorite restaurant, and they don't just deliver burgers and sushi. They'll make your life easier by picking up everything you need from Walgreens or 7-Eleven. You name it, and they'll drop it outside your door. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNFL. Joe, how useful is this? It's super clutch right now, especially because they have a non-contact delivery. So they can drop it at your door. You know, you get food delivered right now through, you know, if you call your local pizza place. You still have to do that exchange at the door. But Postmates can deliver stuff to your door without any contact. Given what's going on in the world, they innovated that just for you. That's a really convenient way to get your delivery done. That's $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Just use code LOCKEDONNFL. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It's the first mailbag episode since the NFL draft concluded. So you guys have a lot of questions. There's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of what ifs and what nows and all of those when it has to do with the Cincinnati Bengals. And we're here to answer them for you the best we can or maybe give some effort towards it. But let's kick it right off, Jake. First question is from Sean Stahl. And he says, what would a 3-3-5 defense look like and would it become a thing? And would you like to see Wilson, Pratt, and Akeem Davis-Gaither out there together? I don't really think that I love this personnel grouping for the Bengals because who's who's blitzing? Like this is, it's a nickel where you're, you're, you're almost always sending either Wilson, Pratt, or Davis-Gaither as a blitzer and... Davis Gaither was an accomplished blitzer, but I don't want to take one of Carlos Dunlap or Carl Lawson off the field in those scenarios very often. So I'm trying to think, when would I deploy this? And I'm thinking maybe if it's like a heavy look, but then you're still taking a defensive lineman off the field. Mm -hmm. So I struggle to really come up with a scenario where I would want to take one of my strong edge rushers off the field to get an extra linebacker out there, unless it's like, third and 30 and Mm -hmm. then 
I mean, do whatever you want at that point. I, I, I honestly don't care. But Joe, do you have a, an example or, or an idea for this that would work? Yeah, they did it a couple times last year, but it was either Hubbard or Lawson that would stand up and move around and try and get a, a design blitz a different way from them. Well, and that th- that's well, not, those guys, that's it, not really a three three five at that point, right? That's just moving a guy. Like it's the same personnel that you would use in a in a regular nickel four two sure. five, but you're just moving one of your your edge rushers and putting them in a different spot. But how do like the the Broncos pull off a three three five with Vaughn Miller? Right, he's really just an edge rusher. But he's listed as a linebacker, so really, it's how you want to list these guys. And so when they so, when I say they're doing it last year, that, that's out of a three four base, which we've uh, have confirmed from Ben Baby when we we're doing the stream that Lou Anarumo Lou Anarumo believes there are three four defense skeletons out, you know. And he did since the beginning of the year. So I, I think that sure they could maybe do some more three three five looks, but I wouldn't call it a three three five in the true sense of what you mean here by saying. You're you're gonna have Wilson Pratt and Davis Gaither out there because I think then you're taking a better player off the field Agreed. to try to get one of these rookies out there, and we could see it uh, mm-hmm. because Luan Rumo's creative. He likes to try different things, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best use of your players and your personnel. Well, here's how we would see it and when we would see it because I think Akeem Davis Gaither is going to back up and develop for his rookie season. You should expect that from a fourth rounder. If Carl Lawson leaves at the end of the year, if Carl Lawson gets hurt again. And then you're like, okay, the fourth guy or the or the maybe the fourth best, in this case, I guess the third best, if, if Lawson goes down, rusher is Akeem Davis Gaither. And I know he's not the biggest guy and most accomplished, but you're gonna put a Kareem out there to do it, you know? So I think you instead you're, you're gonna be like, okay, so Hubbard, Gino, and and Dunlap on the line, and the linebackers are Wilson Pratt and Davis Gaither more as the edge linebacker hybrid type, and you figure out how to get some exotic blitzes with him. Which you could do in clear passing situations. I think mm. as soon as you start doing this in a second and five, well, you're going to get Davis Gaither swallowed by an NFL offensive tackle who can actually reach him because he's not playing for Appalachian State anymore and you're going to get yeah. gashed in the run again. Or you open yourself up to it anyway, right? So it's, it's, it's going to have to be strategic deployment. And I think you're right, Joe. It would take an injury. Let's get to the next question here from Big Boy... 200 has a billy price ship sailed for good and actually a few people asked does Mm. billy price have any potential as a guard this is the one we picked we're answering your question even if we didn't read your name but joe billy price what's his future there's still hope for him he's going into year three he really hasn't even played a full season yet um, because he he was injured his rookie year he got benched quickly within year two uh, so we've only got a handful of games there I still think he can be a guard if everything works out. What, what does that take? What does that mean if everything works out? He needs to be healthy, number one. I do think there's been a lot of his abilities sapped and a lot of his strengths of his profile and his strength have been sapped because of injury, whether it's plantar fascia or a um, ankle injury or a, a pectoral injury. I mean, those are big things that will sap your ability. So uh, in my mind, yes, we haven't even seen Billy Price. And this is coming from a guy that didn't love him as a prospect. You, we haven't seen Price even at his full potential yet. And because of it, of course he's looked like trash. And I still hope that he can come out of the other end being the starting guard. It would be best-case scenario. It, think about that. What a boost that would be to this offense and this team and the foundation going forward if all of a sudden Billy Price and Michael Jordan were two good guards. 
Yeah, and you're asking for a lot there, I think, and I think you know you are. I'm not saying that you're expecting this. Michael Jordan, younger, he's going into, what, his age 22 season or something mm-hmm. like that. So young guy still definitely has a chance to develop. But Billy Price, not old, right? He's been in the league. This will be his third year. He's just 25 right now. Mm-hmm. These guys come into their peak physically from about age 26 to age 30. So Billy Price is about to get there. And yeah, for a first round pick, you would have liked to have seen him contribute earlier in his career at a higher level than he has so far. But he's right in the mix, I think, for the interior offensive line competition. I think Trey Hopkins starts at center, given the money they gave him. But Billy Price is going to get a shaky guard. And I mean, I think that maybe it's a little bit different if Frank Pollock is still around. I think that Jim Turner doesn't like I mean, Price isn't his guy, right? So right. that is not in Price's favor. But just talking to him last year, he's still a really confident guy. He he was picked in the first round. And while that wasn't necessarily the right thing to do, it's not like that's a Cedric Abuehi pick, right? right. Like there, we, we thought at the time that he could develop into a an at least average NFL starter. And I think that's still there. Yeah, and a similar situation here. So similar question coming up from Logan Boyle. If I set the odds of John Ross being a Bengal in 2021 at 20%, would you take the over or under? And additionally, do you think I'm having a healthy, do you think him having a healthy breakout year or another middling year with some missed time uh, would maximize his chance of being a Bengal in 2021? So I, I don't think that there's a very great chance of John Ross being a Bengal in 2021 right now because we currently expect AJ Green to be a Bengal in 2021. I still think that that will get done. And with AJ Green, part of the future, along with Tyler Boyd and now second round pick T Higgins, I think 20%, I I wouldn't want to push the over on that. I would probably take that he won't be a Bengal in 2021 of those odds. Now, if he has a massive year, well, then the Bengals are in a really difficult situation, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to let that go for nothing unless maybe they think they can get a compensatory pick out of it. But uh, as of today, I think your wide receivers for the Bengals in 2021 start with A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Auden Tate, and then whoever else fills out the room. Yeah, and at that point, Auden Tate would also be going into his contract here, so it would be very interesting how that followed. But for Ross, there is a decision this week on his fifth-year option. It's at $16 million, not guaranteed. He's still uh, before when that became a a thing in the new CBA. So uh, I don't think they'll pick that up. But at the same time, I don't think an extension is out of the question. When I look at this receiving core, and I I guess some of it hinges on A.J. Green, and if he gets extended this summer, then, well, that kind of spells the end of Ross there. But... Um, you could see a situation where camp gets underway in the summer and, and, you know, and and things get kicked off on on a normal timeline and he looks good and he's healthy and he's working good with, uh, Joe Burrow. And all of a sudden he has a good year again. And I could see an extension at the end of the year, similar to Trey Hopkins, where it's like, okay, we think we've got the, the, at least a decent role player here. The hard part with Ross is that you can't give him 16 million and you, his current rookie deal is guaranteed. That's paying him like a guy that's a number one healthy receiver. He's not that. He's never been that. He probably will never be that. But if you could pay him like Brashad Perriman, if you could pay him like Ted Ginn in his, you know, in his years after he left the Miami Dolphins as a bust, uh, you would be very happy with that type of player. Perriman got six and a half million dollars this year. I'd give that to Ross for a couple of years because I still think when I look at this receiving core, they're going to lack speed. And then I mean, game breaking speed. If it's, 
if it's thirty-something-year-old um, Green, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, and T. Higgins, I mean, we're getting, these, these guys are running four fives and slower. I, they're still going to get to a point where, like, man, we could really use a speed receiver, and Ross is out making plays for somebody else. I could see that happening. I can't. The, uh, you, you never see those busts re-sign with the team that drafted them. They go elsewhere, they sign mm-hmm. deals, and then they bounce around for a while. That is the most likely outcome for John Ross. I would, I would, I agree with you. I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to John Ross coming back on a somewhat favorable deal, but it just, I, I can't think of that happening anywhere where a guy takes uh, a small deal for a few, maybe one year deal, right? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's a one year deal. And the thing I really hate about the picking after three years for the fifth year option in the CB, current CBA and, the, and the, the, the new one is that it's kind of spelling out the guy's career after three years. And that some guys are just aren't ready for that. I mean, the Bills, think of this year, they didn't pick it up on Shaq Lawson a couple of years ago. He has 10 sacks for them. And they're like, man, we'd like to keep this guy. He goes to the Dolphins right away. Because when you're doing that at year three, not picking up the option, imagine you're the player, right? And the team's not picking up your option to make you a top paid player. You're like, man. They don't believe in me. They don't think I'm I'm that dude. They don't think I can do it. And then you do it the fourth year. It's like, pay me. And they're not going to, obviously, because you have had one good year. So it, it's such a hard thing to pick that in year three. I'd love it if they could move it to the fourth year offseason, almost like a tag kind of situation where it's like, okay, you had a great fourth year. We'd love to keep you for the fifth year. Let's go. The price tag for a guy like Ross in this situation is just so prohibitive to picking mm-hmm. up that option. Speaking of another guy, we're, we're, we have a bit of a theme here with these questions. We go from Billy Price, who's underachieved a little bit, John Ross, who's been hurt. And then we come to Drew Sample. Luke Campbell at Luke Mr. Fourth asks, what is Drew Sample's role in this offense? Can you break it down? Because the Bengals supposedly had plans to use Drew Sample more toward the end of last year. He got hurt, never got to see that come to fruition. Somebody else asked, I thought they would target a tight end late this year. So let's talk about where the tight end fits into this offense. Yeah, late in the draft, you mean. And they lost Tyler Eifert. And yeah. so we're looking at C.J. Ozama and, and Drew Sample, really. It, it's those two. And and I was talking today on the uh, on Twitter saying, you know, five wide isn't the same as five-man protection for LSU's offense for what the Bengals are absorbing for Joe Burrow. It doesn't mean you're going to have five wide receivers out there. It means you're going to have three wide receivers, C.J. Ozama and Joe Mixon, Giovanni Brad running routes. Maybe that's Drew Sample, but that's not his strength, right? So as much as they may like Drew Sample, he wasn't some heavy receiving threat. There would be a lot of development there for him to get to that point where you can split him out and have him run routes isolated against a safety or tight end. I mean, I can't even imagine what that looks like because we haven't seen it. So uh, for me, what is Drew Sample? He's supposed to be a better blocker. He tested like an above athlete because he's good at everything without being uh, having a dominant trait in any way for athleticism. And I think... What we saw last year was a guy that wasn't ready. Tight ends seem to take two, three years. Sometimes they're even better on their second contract. I think it's going to be an interesting thing how they handle the tight end situation. And a lot of people ask today also, could Auden Tate play that? Could you just take out a tight end then and use Auden Tate? Well, to me, that's a whole different thing. And maybe that's a whole much different conversation here because you need the defense to treat that guy like a tight end, not like a receiver in order to get the mismatch you're looking for. And uh, I think the Bengals need to figure out what they're going to do at that position. If it's going to be uh, a key position for this offense. And I'm not sure it will be. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how they use sample with Burrow coming in and ostensibly some of those LSU five wide concepts with that. It might be four wide with an inline tight in line tight end a little bit more than Joe Burrow saw at LSU, because LSU did do that from yep. time to time. You, you would see Thaddeus Moss lined up 
attached to the tackles, not too infrequently. So we, we could continue to see that in Cincinnati as well. But you're right, it doesn't seem to really fit the philosophy we expect to see them adopt with Joe Burrow. Maybe in year one, they lean on Mixon a little bit more, right? Maybe in year one, they they don't unleash Joe Burrow. They give him some time to adapt, and they do what he did when he got to LSU, and he learns for the first half of the year. They unleash him a little bit in the second half of the year, and then they go a little bit more wide open once he's made the adjustments that he needs to make. But uh, really hard to envision what Drew Sample's role is right now, and I do look forward to seeing how and if they use him because they spent a second-round pick there last year, so you know they're going to try. Yeah. So that's a few questions. As always, we have a bunch more to get through and we're going to take a break. We'll be back to get to the rest of your questions coming up next. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jumping right back into the mailbag episode of the post-draft Lockdown Bengals podcast. Spectacular. It's actually not that big of a deal. But, uh, Jake, next question here is from Burke underscore Franklin. He said, where would we have Jermaine Pratt ranked in this linebacker class with Luke uh, Luke Wilson, Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, and Marcus Bailey coming out in the draft? He would have it as ADG Pratt, Wilson, Bailey. Yeah, he's way lower on Wilson than I am. And I, I've almost made that Luke Wilson mistake a few times, barely catching myself and, and changing it to Logan Wilson. I feel like that's going to happen a lot because it's an L. Wilson name. And, and right. who's the more famous of these two guys? Well, uh, but for me, it goes Wilson first. I would put ADG second, close close third Pratt. I think that those two are, are very, very close in a lot of ways. And then Marcus Bailey, just because of the injuries, comes in fourth out of this list. But again, if you were doing it strictly on tape, I think that gets a lot closer because I think he's on tape, looks like a very capable player in the NFL. And I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. He's a Rodney Anderson of this draft class. If he stays healthy, he has the talent to succeed in the NFL. Yeah. As long as he actually ever gets that chance, the seventh rounders rarely do. Um, Based, I looked at how we had our guys graded in 2019, 2020, and based on how we had our overall grades, it goes Logan Wilson, number one, by a significant amount, 79.0. Next is Jermaine Pratt at a 76.9. Good grade. Akeem Davis-Gaither gets a 75.4, and then Bailey is in the 72 range. Um, I don't, don't remember off the top of my head now, but if you just look at the tape grade I gave all of them, it would be Akeem Davis-Gaither, number one. But his grade overall gets knocked down so much because he doesn't – he never tested. He never had that, you know, uh, profile to put in there. So we we got to knock those guys that are potentially hurt or less than less than you expect athletes. So uh, Davis-Gaither gets dropped far in that one, and it should go after him. It should go Wilson, Pratt, and then Bailey. Bailey and Pratt being very close because I think Bailey would have been probably in the same range third-round pick had he had been healthy. Yeah, and and Wilson, you would expect to look better on tape than Pratt, right? Because he is coming out at twenty, almost twenty-four. He's mm-hmm. a late senior, a lot of experience at the linebacker position after transitioning there from wide receiver corner. And Jermaine Pratt had one year starting at the position, so he was always going to be a bit more of a project. But man, 
just just thinking about these two guys, I, I think that they got a lot better at tackling between the two of them at the linebacker oh, yeah. position. And I just love Jermaine Pratt's grip strength. I talk about it whenever I can. When he gets a hold of somebody, it's very, very rare that he lets go. He can grab a tiny piece of cloth on that jersey that they're wearing real tight so that people can't grab it and hold on for dear life. Our next question comes from Anthony at Brooks367. Is a Bengals advantage in this year's supplemental draft that the draft picks they give up for a supplemental player is essentially first in line for each round. So our bid for a first round player is better than a first from Washington. Can a team offer multiple picks? We've received a lot of interest in the supplemental draft, probably because of coronavirus and not knowing what's going to happen with college football. So there are a few things we should probably go over really quickly. I mean, we probably will when the time comes and a supplemental draft happens or, you know, that'll probably be really big news. How about televising the supplemental draft? That'd be awesome. But first things first is these guys have to be eligible this past year. So there's no Trevor Lawrence coming in the supplemental draft. You know, they ha- they have to have been eligible for the 2020 draft already. So it could be some guys that didn't declare for the draft but were eligible in January. And there are some very good players on that list. You look at Alabama alone, Devontae Smith, Alex Leatherwood, and Dylan Moses all could have been first-round picks this year, even if they came out with Dylan Moses being injured as he was. So so it could be some very interesting names just talking about one team with three potential first rounders. The one other thing that I wanted to mention about this is there is talk that the NFLPA could try to get those rules changed. So a lot of times you'll see guys enter the supplemental draft. If they become ineligible for the following year, then they'll get into the draft instead of waiting a year and being in the draft after missing a year. Being as there might not be a college football season, that would mean that technically all those guys would be ineligible, quote unquote, for a year. So you could see see some changes there. The other part of this question is the rules, Joe. And the Mm -hmm. Bengals don't have the first overall pick in the supplemental draft. It's a little bit different. Yeah, it goes into a lottery system. And you have one tier and then the next tier. The first tier, which the Bengals will fall in, so that's why it's important to us, is that they had five or fewer wins from last season. So... I want to say that is five teams this year, so it would go into a lottery and it'd get picked that way. Like the Cardinals last year, who had the number one pick to Kyler Murray, they ended up being number four in the supplemental draft. So if you look at it that way, um, the Bengals ended up right at 11 last year. They picked at 11, so sometimes it works, sometimes it does not. To wrap up that discussion on the supplemental draft, you do not offer multiple picks. The way it works is it's kind of a silent auction. So teams will say, I would spend a first round draft pick or second round draft pick on this player. And then they'll determine if you have the highest pick in that round, then you're awarded the player. So it would be very interesting if a whole lot of high pedigree players entered the supplemental draft to see how the NFL would react. But the Bengals do not by default have the top pick. Next question comes from Mike Doherty. I think that's how you pronounce your name. If you don't, I'm sorry. I heard from an NFL pundit that Zach Taylor asked Joe Burrow to send him his 10 favorite plays at LSU. Do you think he plans to implement these plays in the offense? And I think Burrow told Ian Rappaport this on his podcast. I think I listened to that today or yesterday. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yes, the answer, yes, I do think he plans on implementing those. Usually when, you know, you're going to ask quarterbacks for – you know, when you bring them on to, to talk to them or a draft prospects, you're going to say, um, all right, what are your favorite plays? Let's break those down. Uh, what happened on this play? What happened on this play? What did you see here? What's the protection here? All normal questions. But to ask for 10 plays, 
your 10 favorite plays because you're going to ask every quarterback who any coordinator is going to say, okay, what do you want here in a situation? Okay. What do you like here? Uh, what plays do you like and even in install or in weekly um, install for, for the uh, game plan, a quarterback's going to say, I like this, let's run this, let's do this. Uh, and it's, it's a marriage that way of going back and forth and make sure you have the comfortable plays for your quarterback in there. So I think asking that, is very indicative of the situation. Remember, if they do have a shortened offseason, doing this now and getting that installed now and being comfortable with it from a coaching staff and the quarterback is probably really important to make sure he can get the ground running. The Bengals did this with Andy Dalton last year. Mm -hmm. They said, what are the plays that you had the most success with that you like the best that that we want to keep? So this is par for the course for Zach Taylor and his coaching staff, probably most staffs in the NFL. Ken Anderson commented on this, though. He said it was good coaching said that it was smart to try to build around the player. We've said that tons of time, and I just wanted to highlight again, Ken Anderson is on Twitter. You can go yeah. follow him. He's answering Joe's tweets. He's answering James Rapine's tweets. So uh, get out there and try to talk to the great. And he followed me last night, so I'm sure he followed you too, Jake. But Rub it in my face. What's our next <laughs> question, Joe? It's from Randy Dalton. No, it's uh, Bando Rusty, but he does have both those up there. So, he says, I love the draft and free agency. Should I not be worried about this O-line? Because I am. You should be worried about this offensive line. Uh, I think that that's uh, extremely fair because the team has held firm to what we have thought they would do all offseason. They feel better about those guys than we do. They are projecting and expecting growth from their young guards. They've got a pedigree guy in Xavier Suofilo. Again, he was picked 33rd in his draft class. First pick of the second round, the Bengals just spent on T. Higgins. And they've got Michael Jordan, who we just talked about how young he is. They've got Billy Price, a former first-round pick, all battling it out. They really like Fred Johnson's chances to, to beat out Bobby Hart, I think. And even if he doesn't, they feel like Bobby Hart was good down the stretch last year, which, in fairness, he was good in pass blocking down the stretch last year, albeit against a lower quality of competition than he saw in the first part of the year. On top of that, they're getting Jonah Williams back. So these are the reasons they feel really good about it. As I talk about it, I'm sure you're hearing the reasons that I'm like, okay, well, you're, we're, we're using hope as a plan here on this unit. And that definitely worries you when you have a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I think even Brian Callahan said he expects major competition at right guard and right tackle. It was after one of the draft picks. I don't remember. It might have been after Hakeem Ed and Niji. Whatever. I think I'm close enough. I uh, So I think he expects the competition between multiple players to maybe produce the best results. I think a lot of that is hopeful, though, because you, there's a lot of factors in there. You may not pick the best guy. You, the best guy may not be performing the best during the evaluation period. Uh, you, you may not decide correctly on who you think is playing better than the others. The Bengals have done this in the past. Oh, Nate Living is, is going to be the guy. Well, they, you know, looks like Evan Mathis is much better, just uh, my untrained eye. And uh, turns out Nate Living's was a disaster. So new coaching staff, new coaches, I get it, new players. Maybe they pick the right guy. Maybe they find the right guy. Who knows if he's even on the roster. But, yes, we should be concerned. It's the weakest area on the team for sure. Um, yeah. my, as my dad used to say, shit in one hand, wish in the other. See which one fills up first. I think the Bengals are uh, hoping for the wishes to pan out. Yeah, I mean, I was going to have a follow-up, but now I don't. Because <laughs> uh, that, that's a very – that's. Way to go, Joe's dad. What's our last question, Joe? 
Well, now you're making me find it. All right, next question is from Vega the Tiger. Since I asked the last one, now I'm asking this one too. Two in a row, Jake. That's why I wasn't prepared. You got me lost, man. You threw me off. He did did address this to me, though. All right, you're right. (laughs) So this one's from Vega the Tiger. Hey, Jake, Joe Burrow used a hand (laughs) clap to get the snap in college. You think the Bengals stick with that, or will they use... Or they haven't vocalized the snap count. Thanks. Keep up the good work. I really think this is an interesting question, Joe, because we saw Arizona last year. They're doing a lot of clapping stuff with Kyler Murray in his first year in the league. He did clapping stuff in school. I feel like Baker Mayfield is doing most of it verbally. And the NFL just instituted the rule where you can't do the hard clap unless it's a real snap. So you have to do the fake clap if Mm. if you're trying to do a hard count with the clap. So... I, I don't know what the Bengals will do here, but this is not something that I had thought of before, which is why I wanted to bring it up for conversation because it, there there is a clear divide. He, he If he's clapping a lot in school, it's going to be, well, will they adopt that and let him keep doing what, what he was successful with or will he change it? And I don't know if it really matters, but I think it is a very interesting question because around the league, you're seeing more teams go to the clap with these young guys. And I wonder if the Bengals will too. Yeah, and you got to think. So this is obviously in check shotgun. You're not clapping underneath the uh, the butt cheeks of your center. So um, you're back there. And I remember it mostly as in the silent count situation. So you have the guard already looking back at the quarterback. The clap comes, and the guard taps the center, and the center snaps the ball, as the Bengals have done for plenty of years. In fact, they're one of the first teams I remember doing that. But uh, instead of having their center look between their legs and then look up and do a weird double head nod or left right and then snap the ball it's all very strange anyways um i do think they can continue that it doesn't have to be a, a verbal thing now if you're at home and you can clearly audible you know make yourself audible and make yourself you know heard sure you can say whatever you want you can make any noise you want it's no problem it's this is mostly i think a thing to uh let the left guard know hey hit the center let's go yeah i just think it'll be really interesting to watch that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about some of these draft picks a little bit more. I think, judging from Twitter today, we'll have to talk about T. Higgins a little bit and maybe tone down the comparisons to A.J. Green. We want to have realistic expectations. That's always a goal of this podcast. We like to be positive where it's warranted, and we are excited for this draft class, so don't get that twisted. But we do also want to be realistic about things because – a great draft class maybe hits two, three starters. So before we run away and start thinking about six round picks as starting right tackles in 2020, we, we, we're just going to keep a perspective on what we might expect from some of these guys. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.